Hello and welcome to Permanently Resident. This is episode number five. Today we're talking about the pandemic in Japan and the United States. My name is Robin. I am from Brighton, England, and I live in Richmond, California. And I'm Jose. I'm from Simi Valley, California, and currently I'm living in Tokyo, Japan. All right, so let's, let's begin talking about the start of the pandemic, like as it emerged, obviously we've, we were following the news and what was happening in China, but when was like the first moment you thought, oh, maybe this is coming to Japan? Um, I think I became really aware about it when we had the, the Princess Diamond cruise liner off the, off the coast. Of uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, off the coast of Yokohama here. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of infections. They were quarantining the, the cruise ship, which in retrospect is like the worst thing you can do is quarantine on a cruise ship, right? It's not yeah. up to be a quarantine area. So that's, that's when it started to really come into my mind. How about for you? When did you start, be, uh, start to come aware of it? I mean, I was aware of that the, there were a few cases. I think the first ones were in the Pacific Northwest, so in the Seattle area. But then, I, you know, I think, I think it probably was with the same, the same cruise ship, right? There was a the big controversy with Trump saying that he didn't want the cruise ship to come to the United States. Mm -hmm. And eventually, the cruise ship docked in Oakland, California, which is, you know, 10 miles away from where I live. And so that's when I thought, oh, you know it's coming here right it's not just going to stay in china things are getting serious now yeah for, for me in uh late january like i was still i was mentoring an mba class and uh i think one student we went out to drink after class like just four or five people because i think people were even then in late january starting to get worried about the the pandemic or the virus right so we didn't have a big turnout and one guy when we sat down, he's like, oh, I just got back from China a week ago. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Good to hear that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, I think here things, you know, things were much slower. You know, I, th I think, you know, in the middle of March, mm -hmm. it just went from one week, people kind of getting a little bit worried, kind of being a bit cautious. And then the next weekend, everything was closed. Um, mm. So it was quite a dramatic start you know it didn't kind of we didn't ease into it it wasn't step by step it was just suddenly everything was closed the really funny point is in in the beginning tokyo was starting to get some cases and a lot of my american based friends they were like oh are you okay what's going on over there oh i can't i can't go to japan this year you know like all that kind of talk and then you yeah. flip it around a few months later it's like here's much safer than over there right well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Why do you think that, why do you think it happened like that? Why do I think, what, one more time? I mean, it seemed like there were a few cases in Japan and it just kind of mm. dropped off, right? Whereas here, it just, you know, um, things really started getting serious. It calmed down a little bit. Then the last couple of weeks, it's just shot up again. You know, whereas most countries in the world, it's, they're getting under control. Now it's really really getting out of hand here well i think you know you can correct me if i'm wrong but i think the u.s does test a lot and i think this is a, a huge factor is people's accessibility for tests i have a friend living in new jersey 
And he literally went for like two tests in a week through a drive-thru or something like in Japan. Good luck with that. Right. So I think, I think this is a huge factor. What do you think? So you, you think, you think there's a lot of cases out there in Japan. They're just not testing for them. Oh yeah. I, I believe so. I mean, this, this virus is highly contagious and, um, we hear about situations where like, you know, people go to a party and then what half of them end up infected. Uh, yeah, the way the how crowded this city is, people are in close contact. I have to believe the numbers are much higher than what mm-hmm. is reported. Maybe. Do you think that's the Do you think that's the uh, fault of the government? No, I saw I saw an interesting chart about approval ratings with uh, world leaders. Yes, and it charted how uh, how approval ratings have gone up or down mm-hmm. since the since the first case was recorded in each country. Okay. And only three countries, and only three countries, is that have approval ratings dropped. One is for Trump in the United States; it's dropped. Mm-hmm. One's for Mr. Mr. Abe <laughs> uh, in Japan, and the other one was for uh, Bolsonaro in, in Brazil. So those are the only three major world leaders that have suffered a, a wow. decline in in polling numbers. Everybody else, you know, they've seen a boost from this. So well, both of us are living in countries with uh, questionable leadership at this point, then. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it kind of surprised. I mean, it didn't surprise me about Trump, yeah. but my impression of Abe before was, you know, he's he's trying to take some pretty decisive action in Japan. Um, I wholeheartedly would disagree with that statement. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I I don't mean with the coronavirus. I mean uh-huh. otherwise, right? With other policies, he's trying to shake things up and get Japan going again. Do you think is that not true? He's making Japan great again. <laughs> If you want to put it in those politically charged terms, then uh, yes. So I think I think with Abe, this is my this is my personal criticism of him, and I think there are a number of Japanese people that would agree. Is um, he he took a lot of time in taking the the pandemic as serious as he should have, or declaring a national emergency. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of this was connected to the canceling of the Olympic Games. Now, that's not an easy, easy decision. Just by postponing the Games, they've lost $10 billion. And if it's canceled, they're going to lose $100 billion. I mean, I'm not an you know, economist, but that's a lot of money. And I think this really uh, clouded him into you know, having this optimism or waiting to the last minute to really uh, start to declare an emergency and uh, be realistic about the situation. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously it's been fairly disastrous, but as a narrative, that makes sense. Trump though, uh, I still, still trying to get my mind around it. Obviously he just, Mm -hmm. you know, with many of his other problems, just rhetoric and lies have been enough to, to distract people. Yes. Um, you know, we can mention countless scandals. You know, the one that comes to mind is uh, with um, what's the name of that porn star? Um, oh, I can't remember. But he paid her off, right? And so, yeah, he, you know, just with he's not diversion. The to pull around, though. Come on. All right, all right. But you know, he, you know, for the most part, he can just kind of bluff his way through, uh-huh. lie use this extreme rhetoric and distract people from what's really going on. Okay. Obviously that just, that didn't work with, you know, the virus is not a person. Um, 
it's not a political opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, so those tactics simply didn't work, right? Um, so I want to ask you a question then, because I was watching U.S. media during this time, and a lot of uh, high-ranking officials and people in government, such as Joe Biden, you know, criticized Trump. They're like, why are you closing to Europe? Why are you trying to ban China? You're a xenophobe. You're a racist. I mean, that leads me to logically believe if they were in Trump's position, they wouldn't have locked down or closed or taken action any quicker than he did. So, I mean, why, why do you feel Trump would deserve more blame or deserve the blame he does in connection to that? I'm not saying I'm not saying that we can blame Trump wholly for what's happening in the United States. I think that's unfair, and that um, you know discounts the government system in the United States, where states and state governors, state legislators have a lot of power. And you know, yes, I think there's often the assumption that the president has a lot of power, and in some very select areas he does, but in many areas he doesn't have much power at all. Um, but I think, you know, he did take a few um, decisive actions. That's true. Yes. Um, but they were so inconsistent that it didn't really work. You know, he, I think it was only about, was it last week or two weeks ago? was the first time that anybody saw him in public wearing a mask. Um, okay. You know, every other, every other world leader has been seen wearing a mask. So apart, I, from, I, apart from Bolsonaro, right, who publicly said he wouldn't, and that's been a disaster for him. So maybe Trump was decisive in closing air travel to China. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe that was a good idea, perhaps we could say. But then in other areas, he's been wholly ineffective. So just because there's a one instance of him taking decisive action doesn't mean overall he's been effective. Sure. And I think a a large part of it is the ineffectiveness of world leaders is they just simply didn't know enough about the virus or they they just simply never met something like this, you know, before. So it's a it's a great challenge. And, um, you know, I think this really complicated the situation is that it's unprecedented almost. Right. When was the last pandemic? 1918. Right. Well, there are, I mean, that was the, that was the largest comparable one, right? But there have been other outbreaks, as you know, mm-hmm. um, SARS, MERS, uh, you know, and there, there have been outbreaks of viruses throughout the 20th century. So I'll um, give you a quick example of what I mean by like, we just don't know enough about it is, uh, you know, Cuomo, uh, I guess, uh, Governor Cuomo he was uh, requesting a lot of ventilators and there was a lot of tension between him and Trump about the ventilators, right? And now we come to find a couple months later, a few months later, you know, ventilators isn't exactly the answer, right? It's more, it's more of uh, the last, last, last resort. Cause if you're going on a ventilator, chances are you aren't coming off the ventilator. And, but there was such a push, such anger, like why isn't the federal government providing these ventilators? And I think now if we look back on it retrospectively, I don't think that was that was exactly the battle to pick, you know. I don't think Trump was exactly no. all here. So he, in that instance, that was a mistake. But he was Cuomo was trying to take decisive action with the information that he had, whereas yes. Trump was just in a number on a number of instances was just willfully ignorant, you know. And the famous, you know, the number of occasions he said, "Don't worry, we're going to have zero cases mm-hmm. soon," when clearly 
all evidence from around the world suggested that that couldn't possibly be the case. Um, mm. So I think there's an important distinction to draw there. Governor Cuomo was mistaken, but he had he was trying to use the best information that he had to make a, a sensible judgment, and that was wrong. But we can see how he came to that conclusion. Yeah, With Trump's conclusion that cases are going to go to zero is in a very short time. There's no reason that he could have thought that that would be true. It it was just willful ignorance from him. So, of course, there were a lot of mistakes, but there are different degrees of mistakes, you know, and I think that mistake that I've just mentioned from Trump is really unforgivable. Yeah. I think where we differ is that, uh, when, when I talk about Trump, I think I try to compare it more to like what everybody else was thinking or doing. And I don't mean the average person. I mean, other world leaders with information on hand. Right. And I could see a lot of mistakes were made. And basically, I'll go back to, we just didn't know enough about the virus. And we still don't, right? We still really don't know enough about how exactly it works. Uh, We don't have a vaccine. There's just a lot of things we don't know. But where I will agree with you is that I think Trump really is trying to push as quickly as possible to normalize. And it's kind of this unrealistic optimism. And, you know, maybe his mindset is if we're normalized, if things, you know, start to go well, if people are in school, if sports are starting, you know, then we can just stop focusing on this and we can focus back on what I want to focus on, you know. So I'll definitely agree with you there. I think he's definitely just trying to push through and force things to normalize. But yeah, things aren't normal, are they? No. So, I mean, on that point, mm-hmm let's uh let's shift a little bit and sure talk about masks a little bit because i think there's an interesting comparison to be made between the mask issue in the united states and then the mask issue in japan okay i mean here it's really become a very political politically divisive um the question of masks right and essentially oh to put it very simply democrats are in in favor of wearing masks and Republicans or Trump supporters are against it, right? And it's become an ideological issue. Is it really? No, no, no. That's that's a simplification. But I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's become become an ideological um, issue, right? And and I don't think that that's the case in Japan. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of YouTube videos, uh, people exploding in Costco's, people exploding in supermarkets, you can't make me wear a mask or it's my right. It's my freedom. <laughs> so I, I, I seen the videos, right? I know what you're talking about. Is it really that way though? Have you come across that? Well, I mean, we're here in, mm-hmm. I mean, I say we, I mean, I'm here in California. So, and I'm in the Bay area, which is you know, dominated by Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think gen- people here are generally more compliant about that, but you know, I think there's definitely unease about about that and whether local and state governments can really enforce those kind of rules. Well, my, my take is that, uh, you know, a lot of the science with masks is not exactly proven, but I don't see how it can hurt. And if you wear a mask, like, it's not, it's not going to increase the chances, right? So you might as well wear a mask if you're out in public, I think. 
as, you know, in Japan, it's already the norm to wear a mask. Like people just wear the mask during flu season or during a hay fever season, right? So people are already wearing masks all the time. So transitioning to like, you know, I don't know, 20% of the population wearing masks to like almost 95% of the population wearing masks was not tough because that culture mm-hmm. is already ingrained in Japan where no one, no one gives you a second look. No one, no one, you know, has some fear that you're sick. Um, they just have this feeling of probably appreciation, like, okay, you're sick and uh, you're wearing a mask. So I think thanks for your contribution to society is probably the mindset. Yeah, so I think here it's it's become more of an issue about mm-hmm. freedom of speech, right, and uh, the limits of government power. So I th- you know, I don't think, I don't think very many people, you yes. know, are disagreeing with the medical evidence that so stop stop people spreading saliva particles and um, around to people around them. What they're disagreeing with is whether the government has the right to tell them that they should or shouldn't wear a mask. You know, I, I want to say that, you know, as kind of devil's advocate, there is a downside of masks though. Cause I believe they, they do create like a false confidence. Um, Cause I see these theme parks opening up, for example, and they're like, yeah, we're just going to open the 50% capacity, but you have to wear a mask. Right. But like mm-hmm. yeah. you're waiting in line for two hours or an hour and a half, with hundreds and hundreds of people. And yeah, okay, you're wearing a mask, sure. But you're gonna pull the mask down. You're gonna eat something. You're still like in close contact with people. So I feel like this is a really negative part of masks in the, in the US, you know? Like people have this false confidence built up that they're immune, you know, because they're wearing it. What do you, what do you think on, about that? Yeah, um, I think you can see that with other issues too and this kind of, I think the six feet, the six feet, stay six feet away issue is another one of those, those issues where, you know, early on, I think in the first couple of weeks, um, when we went into lockdown, I was going for a jog mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I guess I got a little bit too close to somebody and they started shouting at me. It's six <laughs> feet. It's six feet. It's six feet. And I was just thinking, Six okay. feet is not six feet is not a magic number. It's not like you're safe at six feet and you're in danger at five feet. That's <laughs> not how it works. Um, so, so yeah, I think there's this kind of false sense of security that you know, oh, oh, everyone's wearing a mask, so mm-hmm. things are things are okay now. Whereas, you know, obviously the the actual situation is much more complicated than that. Yeah, and I'm I'm obviously I'm a mask wearer. If I if I walked out in Japan and I didn't wear a mask, I'd get probably some stares or looks. And being yeah. a foreigner on top of it, I'd probably be regarded as a you know irresponsible foreigner on top of that, right? So I'm definitely gonna wear a mask, and I definitely wear a mask every day. Uh, yeah. And I I agree with you that people in the states, you know, if they go into the store, you know, you know, screw your freedom because you know what, like you're in a, in a business, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, public land or something like, come on, you got to just obey the rules of the business. Right. But yeah. on the other side, I do, I do think people like exaggerate too much because if you're jogging outside, like you said, and you're within six feet of everybody, I'm sorry, but the chances to get coronavirus are like, what are they? What are they really if you're outside? Right. 
I, I can understand exactly. the mask people at that point because, you know, walking into crowded grocery stores with a mask is probably, uh, you know, what more dangerous than being outside in the park without a mask. Exactly. Yeah. So, does this mask issue show some? Is that representative of? underlying cultural differences between the United States and Japan, do you think? Um, I think Japanese people definitely subscribe to uh, harmony is one of the, the big cultural, uh, I guess, norms here is to keep the harmony. And I think part of that is not disrupting society or putting society before you. So. Mm -hmm if it's good for society, you're going to probably do it. Otherwise, you know, you're sticking out, right? So you're not going to put your individual needs in front of the society usually. And mm. it's definitely, uh, yeah, with the mask. Yeah, that's why, that's why I said, like, I would wear a mask, even though I, I do believe in it. But the other side of it is, I don't want to get perceived as someone that's being a disruptive force, right? Um, in the yeah. United States, it's, I guess it's much different, right? Well, I think it's really a very clear indication of the kind of toxic impact that this extreme individualism can have, right? Essentially, people are saying, I'm not going to wear a mask because I don't want to. Mm -hmm. You can't force me to, you know, regardless of what the consequences are for the person that's next to them at the grocery store or, um, you know, the person that uses the bathroom after they do, um, for example. It's just this idea of the individual above all else, which I think we're seeing the negative impacts of that now with this huge spike in cases. But you can see that negative impact in a number of other areas of American society too. Yeah, as long as, you know, human beings were we're community, we're social creatures. So as long as we're living in communities and, uh, and uh, part of society, you can't have that mindset. Of course, individualism is, is uh, very important to a point, but you have to also care about your society and your community. So I wanna, I wanna transition to one last thing here. And yeah, I'm wondering which, which government kind of uh, initiatives or campaigns or just you know, concrete actions have really stuck out to you? Because we talked about the presidents having, both our, my prime minister and your president having low approval ratings. So which ones have really just not gone down well? Kind of like executive orders or actions type of things. Um, I, think, I think in the case of, of Trump, I think it's been the lack of action that's gone down badly. Mm -hmm. um, in California with, with the governor, Gavin Newsom, mm -hmm. he has been pretty decisive. He's been on top of things. Um, you know, his actions seem to have been fairly measured and sensible. And I think people have reacted those, to those very well. So California was the first state to issue, um, a, you know, a stay-at-home order. Um, and that seemed to be pretty effective. Um, in contrast to Trump, who just wasn't doing anything and he wasn't giving any recommendations at that point. Um, what about what about in Tokyo? What's the situation at the moment? Oh, I think I think Prime Minister Abe has had a few missteps here. 
Um, the first one, I think, was uh, he had a, he, he did this initiative where people didn't have masks. So he sent out two masks per household, right? And when the masks finally arrived, like, I don't know, two months later, it was just low quality, it didn't fit. And I don't know, like the whole, you know, Japanese society doesn't understand why he spent all this money on these poorly made masks, right? It was just a bad idea. And now recently he has this uh, travel, travel campaign. It's like go-to campaign. And it's basically trying to promote uh, travel in Japan, internal travel in Japan, which doesn't make sense. Cause you know, we're in the middle of pandemic and that's like the perfect way to spread it all around the country, right? So he's just getting killed in the media right now, I think. And you know, that's probably why his, his approval rating is so low when you came out with those, uh, that statistic about Bolsonaro, Abe and Trump, right? Yeah, I mean, that seems like a serious misstep, right? I mean, <laughs> and he had to tell fire. it, he had to, you know, he had to talk to his cabinet and say, what about this idea? And they all said, oh, yes, that's a good idea. I mean, what are they thinking of? I don't know. I think, I think he's about done over here. Well, I don't, I don't know how it works, but they can't, they can't impeach him or vote him out like the U S but maybe his career will come to an end shortly. <laughs> well, it seems like, uh, that's a good point to end because, uh, it seems like Trump's heading in the same direction too. You think so? I mean, as it stands at the moment, he's going to lose in, in November, right? <laughs> uh that's what the new york times and a lot of polls would have you believing but um you know there's still some months to go and uh i'm i don't think it's decided but we'll, we'll see we'll keep our eyes on that right i i agree i mean uh, especially after 2016 i think people are being very cautious but there are some pretty strong indicators that mm -hmm. you know if there were a vote today mm -hmm. then then trump would most likely lose especially since he seems to be, you know, he, he's pretty strong among his core, you know, his core supporters, mm -hmm. disenfranchised white working class mm -hmm. people in the Midwest and the South. But those kind of sw key swing voters, especially people living in the suburbs, yeah, uh, more educated people are just are going against him in droves. So that seems to be a pretty negative trend for him. And you know, those are the people that have been deciding elections in the United States for the past 40 or 50 years. So that's really a key, key demographic. It's, it's so tough. And I know you're probably more politically versed than I am, but there's that, there's that theory or that idea of the, of the silent majority, right? And you know me, like I'm pretty, you know, sometimes I support Trump, so I'll be very open about it. But there's a lot of people who basically don't or, you know, will never say anything good about Trump, even though they might be leaning to Trump. And that's why, like, I have a little skepticism about polls like that, and especially polls which are, you know, done by, I guess, corporate leaning or left leaning uh, media organizations, right? Like, how accurate are those polls? So, definitely, I I just feel it's still up in the air. But, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely too soon to say that uh, Trump's definitely going to lose, but the the indications at the moment are pretty bad for him, in a way that six months ago they weren't right six months ago oh no six months ago he was he was gonna win right well i mean it was a toss-up right but now you know 
he he's been falling behind so that's why that's why i'd say that the trends look negative for him but definitely there's time, to make, there's time there's time to make that up so yeah. Yeah. let's see all right well on that note thank you so much for listening yeah thanks everybody you can find us on the social media instagram at permanently resident uh you can also find us on facebook facebook.com slash permanently resident and if you've got a question comment or suggestion you can email us at permanently resident at gmail.com catch you next time bye